You people, as I say often, we're praying for all you Alabama fans. Uh, maybe the Lord, you know, they say the Lord's grace and His mercy is uh, appears to all men. And uh, I, I guess that even includes Alabama fans. I don't know. But uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but what do you say? What do you talk about? So I, I thought about that. And I thought about the hectic pace. Does anybody have a hectic pace? You know, we get off for school. And uh, that's a good thing. You know, that's always been handy. You get a little bit of that time off. I know some of you people think, that's right, you lazy school teachers. You get the holidays off. You complain about not making any money. And you get summers off. You don't work that often. You get all these things going. And you get all the holidays off. Well, you know, this year, my, my nephew coaches girls basketball. And so I somehow got talked into helping him. So we've played four basketball games during this off time. So it kind of left us running back and forth. So the holiday seasons really, uh, I guess for us, haven't been a time where we lived a slower pace. As a matter of fact, we lived a faster pace. Now I got to thinking about that. You know, we know what the Bible says regarding the human life. We know, for instance, that the Hebrew writer writes in Hebrews chapter 12, or 4, seeing we are accomplished about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the what? Race that is set before us. Race. That's why they call us the human race. At the end of Paul's life, he was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he said what? He said, uh, the time of my departure is at hand, Timothy. I, you know, I'm ready to be offered. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Run my race. I've run my race. He said, henceforth there's laid up for me. He said, I've kept the face. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me alone, but to all those who love his appearing. So we talk about the human race and running. And boy, we're always running, aren't we? You know, I, I, I have Kate and uh, Cassandra and I, and that, that's the best part of me, and Cassandra and Kate are with me today, and, and that's, that's the best part of me here on, here on this earth. And, you know, I, I can remember when Cassandra and I first got married sometimes. She was, she was in school. She was continuing in school, and I was teaching. And, and boy, you know, we didn't have any money. I can remember, boy, I panic. I, I, I thought about it, and I used to sit on the end of the bed occasionally at night. Sometime when she was asleep, maybe even I woke her up a time or two, and I thought, we have a $305 mortgage. How am I going to make a $305 payment? I thought about that. So she was in school, and she was working part-time, and I was coaching two basketball teams and helping with the football team and doing the games on the radio for the high school. Sometimes it seemed like we just met. She was coming towards home, and I was headed away from it. We was busy. And then we got Kay, and I thought, man, how do you keep up when you get a kid? He plays travel ball, and he does this, and he does it. And then I look around, and there's some of these parents, man, they got three or four. And I'm thinking, how do them people keep up? Because the pace of life is so fast. Do you realize that some of us now, as we get a little bit older, and I could retire and may do that here pretty soon, but, but I think about that and we say, well, you know, even for us in retirement, you know, life hasn't slowed down. And if we think that it has, what we need to understand as we end this year and begin a next year is that every one of us, regardless of whether we think we are or not, we're running. You can't avoid it. 
You may think when you came in here today you're not. But you are. I sometimes want to say, wait a minute, let me sit on the side. But you can't sit on the side of life. You're always running. And the Bible teaches us regarding how we should run in life. And there's no better example than that than the prophet Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Jonah. And we're going to study a little bit from Jonah and we're going to try to figure out today where you and I, where we are running. Because that's the great thing about scriptures. Scriptures always apply to us. Everything that we need to know, everything that pertains unto life and unto godliness are given to us in God's Word. All Scripture, we know that it's given by inspiration, that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. We know that God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in the last days spoken unto us by Son. We are without excuse. We are running and we have the instructions. And Jonah did as well. Look there in Jonah chapter 1. Word of the Lord came to Jonah, I believe it will tell you there in chapter 1, verse 1. Said, go down to Nineveh. He said, their wickedness has risen up before me. And I need you to go down and preach the preaching that I'm telling you to preach. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Jonah now is faced with something in life. God has told him to do something. He's one of those prophets that God is speaking by. And he decides in verse 3, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I want to go to Tarshish. So he goes down to the harbor and he finds a boat that is going to Tarshish. He pays the fare for the boat and he goes down inside of the inside of the boat and he starts taking a trip to Tarshish. Now let me just point out here that if we put up a map that geographically, if you looked at Nineveh, Tarshish is the opposite direction. So where you find Jonah in chapter 1 verse 1 is simply this. You find a man running and you find a man running from God. He's running from God. Now, let's all admit at points and times in our lives, we probably wanted to run from God. We may have even been guilty of running from God. Somebody right now may be running from Him today. It's fairly obvious when you look at this particular thing that, that Jonah running, going to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh, there's not anything wrong with the instructions. They're, they're not unclear. God has spoken plainly where he wants, where he wants Jonah to go, but, but Jonah has just decided, I'm not going there. I'm just going to go a different direction. We've done that with our parents, haven't we? Sometimes our parents would say, now look, don't you go down at so... And we, we've gone anyways. Don't you do that, and we've done it anyways. 
Sometimes school teachers, they would say, you know, don't, don't do this. I've told this story so many times. I used to have a school teacher. Can you imagine? Does anybody here else teach school besides me and my wife? I got any school teachers in here? Love your hearts. Love your heart. You there used to be a time my school teacher would say, I'm leaving the room. Don't anybody talk while I'm gone. <laughs> and we didn't a lot of times. Boy, there was one moron that always talked and always got caught. It was me. I talked. I couldn't help it. I run him from my teacher. I won't run from that hickory board she's using on me sometimes. You young people, y'all don't know what that means. I, 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 I know we don't do that anymore, but, but they used to, right? You find Jonah running from God. Now you understand the purpose for which God has spoken. In the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 10, beginning around verse 13, we find the statement made that everyone that calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then the next few verses read something like this. Well, how shall people call on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear unless somebody preach? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? And then beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel of peace, right? But the purpose of the word is summed up in, in the giving of the word in verse 17 right there. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because you see, without faith, we can't please God. We must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and 6. We are saved by grace through our faith. It's not of ourselves, not that any of us should boast. It's a, it's a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You see, we are justified by our faith. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, being that we have made peace with God in our faith. But we wouldn't have faith if we didn't hear the word. You see, Christ said, look, men will be drawn unto God. But they'll be what? John 6, 44 and 45. Only when they are what? Taught of God. Jonah's heard the word. Jonah, what I want you to do is I want you to go down to Nineveh. Those are some wicked people. They need to hear about my mercy. They need to know that they need to turn and repent. And Jonah runs from God. How does he do it? He disobeys him. That's how you run from God. Now, the purpose of that word in developing that faith and teaching us all about that and letting us know the will of God, sometimes that just makes us angry. You know, in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen gave his discourse in front of the Sanhedrin, you get on down around verse 54, you find out that they were wroth. They were so mad that they killed him for it. And James says, look, it won't be any different for us. He says, of his own will beget he us by his word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James chapter 1 verse 18. Verse 19 then reads familiarly what? Therefore, let every man be swift to hear, 
slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now what we've taught that about is we're saying, don't be angry people. But in context, friends, in James 1, what is that teaching us? Don't be angry about God's word. Because what does verse 21 teach us? Wherefore, laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, let us receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. But when we disobey, we're running from God. Hebrews 5, 8, and 9 teaches us that what? That though Christ were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And in going to the cross, he did what? He authored salvation. He captained salvation. It means he pioneered the way for us to be saved. For all those that do what? Obey him. Have you ever been guilty of running from God? I have. I'm not proud of it. But sometimes I've known plainly what I should do. And I chose not to. I've been guilty of running from God. Look around in society. Do you know why there's so much misery? Why when you cut on the news this morning, if you're me and you do that occasionally, why somebody got murdered? Why somebody raped, robbed, or pillaged? Why there's immorality? Why there is suffering? Because human beings have always been in the business of running from God. Running from God. So there's Jonah. He says, I'm not going. I'm going to Tarshish. I'm running from God. Now what happens? Now you read the rest of chapter 1, you know what happens. Well, we know that the storm comes up and captain of the ship, he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's releasing all the tackle. Jonah says, my fault. It's my fault. I mean, I'm the one. I've messed this up. I'm running from God. We're all getting punished. I'm running from God. So what does he do? Cast me overboard. So Jonah is cast overboard. Now what happens, Jonah? You remember when you were little, we, we said he was in the belly of the what? The whale. Then, you know, somebody later on said, no, you can't say that. It just says great fish. Okay, so that's what it says. He is in the belly of the great fish. We get to chapter 2. Jonah's still running. Jonah says, and I cried out. I cried out. I cried out from the belly of the great fish. And God what? He heard me. It says there, as a matter of fact, I'm beneath the ocean. I'm pressed down. I'm encompassed about by what? The billows and the waters and the waves. I am in Sheol, literally, it says in the King James Version, uses the word hell. I am in Sheol and God heard me. Let me tell you this. If you're running from God and you're a long way from God, don't think that God still won't hear you. Because you know where you find Jonah in chapter 2. Not running away, he's going to start doing what? Running to God. He says, I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard me.
Lord heard me because I, I, I cried out to him. And I thought, I'm going to run to God. Now sometimes it takes a tragedy of life, doesn't it? Sometimes in a tragedy of life, we lose something, we lose someone, we have a bad week, we lose finances, something happens, somebody betrays us that's really close to us, and we're knocked flat of our back, and then we're reminded that we need to be running to where? We need to be running to God. Well, as many years as I've been a preacher, and I don't even call myself that. As a matter of fact, Wayne, Waynesboro, you, you won't find people refer to me as Brother Cruz. I'm Coach Cruz. Some kids don't even know I have a first name. They think my name's Coach. When they say, when, they, when somebody introduced me as Kerry Cruz, they wouldn't know who that was. They said, well, that's not Kerry Cruz, that's Coach Cruz. That's all they know me by. I coached their daddies. I coached their mamas. I'm coaching them, teaching them now. That's what they know. All right. So when you begin thinking about it, and you look at you look at things in life, and you see where you are, and as many years as I've been there, what I end up happening inevitably, somebody that I grew up with, somebody I coached, somebody I taught, maybe they've never been to church, but I've been in the room with them when they're fixing to take their last breath, and you know who they're crying out to? They're saying, "Carrie, I, I love God, Coach." I love Jesus because the reason people aren't satisfied is because they haven't run to him yet. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the power, all the prestige. You don't believe me? Why are people in Hollywood, why are their lives in such disarray? Why are great athletes that's making millions of dollars a year? You know, I think about that. They're going to pay a guy... $12 million to play shortstop for the Yankees. Foot, I'd have played for free. I would have. I'm serious. Hey, somebody, somebody's kidding around, Tennessee's enough for a football coach. They're going to send you and Rice up there? I said, I'll coach for the buyout. <laughs> I won't get to stay long. But man, if I get one of them $12 million buyouts where I make $4 million a year for not even coaching, that would, that would be all right, I guess, right? But they're not happy. Sometimes it's in the midst of not just a tragedy and not just the fact that there's that emptiness or that yearning in us that reminds us that we should run to God. Sometimes it's because we start reaping what we've sown. You know, we think for a minute that's the way sin is. You know, it's, it's so deceiving. You get those many victories with sin, right? Hebrews 12 and 25 talks about the pleasures of sin. But 10 and 25 talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. And sometimes you cheat on a test and you don't get caught. You get a good grade. Sometimes you tell a lie. You don't get hung up with it. You may may avoided some punishment. Sometimes, you know, I, I, like for David, that, that moment with Bathsheba, it, it, it was all right. He was satisfied at that moment. And then all of a sudden he got to thinking, what? Man, I got to get Uriah back here i got to fix this. And it just kept getting worse and worse for David. But then David says, well, I need to run to God. Jonah says, I cried out and run to God. Let me tell you something about the belly of sin. You know this, don't you? 
Sure, what? Be sure your sin will find you out. Yeah, I know that. That's in Numbers 32, 23. Be sure, we know this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows of the flesh, he'll reap corruption. If he sows of the Spirit, he'll reap life everlasting, right? Be not weary in your well-doing. For we shall reap due season if we faint not. We, we know from Galatians 6, 7, and 9, we know all about sowing and, and reaping, and we, we understand that. We do get it. We do get it. But we'll never be satisfied, friends, until we run to God. Classic example, Luke 15. We have a young man says what? One of two brothers. That'd be like me and Terry, I guess. I would have been the one who said, Hey, Dad, give me what's mine. I want it now. Give it to me. Give me what's mine. And we know from Luke 15, if you begin around verse 11 there, the parable of the prodigal son, right? We call him the prodigal son. He didn't take, it says he, he went and took his... Uh, went to a far country, but not many days hence, he had, he, had ra- he had wasted all of his substance with righteous living. There was a famine in the land, and he found himself hungry. You know, he didn't beg. He went and joined himself, it says, to another man to work. And so while he was working, he was out feeding the livestock. And it says there that he fame would have eaten of the husk of which the livestock were eating. And he thought to himself, he said, you know, my father's house, his servants, well, man, at their table, they got bread enough and to spare. Then he came to himself. And he thought, I'll go home. I'll tell Dad, I, I've sinned before heaven. I've sinned in your sight. I don't deserve to be called a son. You just make me one of your servants. You ever thought about the far country? I don't read too much into this. That's what happens to you in a far country, I understand. You ever thought about how many times that old boy rehearsed his speech while he was running to God? Can you imagine the sweat and the, the nervousness as he knew, boy, just when I cross this horizon, I, I'll be able to see home. I'm, I'm going to have to tell Dad I messed up. Can you imagine that he was wringing his hands? That he left there with good clothes, but he was returning tattered and torn. What if he wouldn't have run to God? What if he just wouldn't have run to God? We can imagine that. We felt it in the middle of an invitation song. We felt it when we studied God's Word. And we thought, man, I need to run to God. You just remember what kind of father that old boy found when he came home. He found one looking for him. He never even had to say, look, that I've seen. His dad didn't even give him a chance. 
He said, my son who is dead is alive. He's lost, now he's found. He said, bring me a robe of honor. Bring me, bring me shoes for his feet. Bring me the ring of honor. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. My son has come on. Jonah's running to God. Some of us might be doing that today. Chapter 3. You get to chapter 3, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again. I love that fact that it says again. Do you know why? Now don't get me wrong. I understand the goodness and the severity of God. I don't say I understand it. I know the difference between the goodness and the severity of God. Romans 11 and 22. Under those that will do what he wants them to do, goodness. But if we don't, then we get severity. I'm well aware of how he dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah. I can read about how he did with Israel throughout time. I understand perfectly Hebrews chapter 2. You know, we said in chapter 1, God in the last days has spoken to us by his son. You ever connected chapter 2 with that? I know you have. Right? So he says in chapter 2 what? Wherefore, or since God has spoken to us by his son, we ought to do what? We ought to give the morning heed to what, what we've heard. Lest at any time we should drift away. It says let them sleep, I think, in the King James Version. He says, now listen to this, for or because if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or reward. You know what that means, right? Sodom and Gomorrah got what it what? What it deserved. Right? During the great dead age, what did the, what did the, what did the world deserve? Since every thought and every imagination of man was wicked all the day, did it get what it deserved? Yes, and who gave it to them? God. I'm well aware of that. But that word again lets me know that what? God is not just a God of one chance. He's a God of another chance. He was with Jonah. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah again and said, Jonah, go down and preach the preaching, literally that word, the message that I bid thee to preach. Now, boy, I said I was going to mention that again, right? The message meaning that what? Not multiple messages. Look, you don't want to come in here and get an opinion from a boy from Waynesboro. I know what y'all thinking anyways. Yeah, he can't be real smart, even Waynesboro. I understand that. I get that. You don't want my opinion about something. You don't want my message. The message you want is God's message. That's the only message that's going to spare them Ninevites, right? He says, so now you go down and you give them the message that I told you to give. Now we see a, some penitence on Jonah's part. He does what? He goes to Nineveh. And he preaches in Nineveh. Spat out from the belly of the fish on the shores, gets the word of God again and goes down to Nineveh and he preaches at Nineveh. He gives the message. I guess I, I would assume that he, that he thundered it to the best of his ability. That he told them obviously exactly what God wanted them to tell. Because what do you find that a lot of the Ninevites did? They repented. They repented. Right? Third place you could be running. You can be running from God, chapter 1. Running to God, chapter 2. But you can be running with God. Man. Running with God. 
You know, that was important when you were growing up. Who you ran with. Who you fit in with. Sometimes as you get a little older, you think, man, I just want somebody to guide me that's smarter than me. I want somebody to guide me that's looking out for my best interest. I want somebody that, to guide me that, that cares about me, that loves me, that sees the ultimate end of me and, and knows where I want to go. You have your chance. You can run with God. He's all of those things. He's all of those things. Already given us everything we need, remember? 2 Peter 1 and 3. All things that pertain unto life and unto godliness, we have them. We can be running with God. Run with God. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, you look around, carry bad things, happen to good people. You know, I get tempted still. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like God is with me. Do you remember what the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews chapter, chapter 13? Not just regarding the marriage bed, but he said what? God has said, I will what? Never leave you nor forsake you. Now what does that, what does that tell us today? If we are not running with God, He hasn't forsaken us, we've done what? We've forsaken Him. We left him. He didn't leave us. He promised he wouldn't. He said he would be here. So what is running with God? Well, if running away from God is disobeying, then running with God is obedience. We are doing the very best to do what we can do to be pleasing unto God. Now, now look. Now look, not all of us have the same talents. You know, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, you know, somebody said, well, the one talent, man, he got it stuck to him because he only had one talent. If he'd had five or two, he didn't. No, he got it stuck to him because he didn't use his talent. By the way, you just remember this. I'll probably say this again today. As you start into the new year, there are no zero talent people in that in that parable. Do you know what that means? We all can do something. Everybody can do something. We're not zero talented people. So when you look at it and you say, well, you got that one talent. That, that, that's all it was. All God requires of us is if he puts a cup of water in our hand and what does he demand? A, a cup of water. He just requires us to do that. Now, it's possible then that we can do what? Look, listen to this. 1 John 1 and 7. It is possible then. Now, we know. If we say we haven't sinned, we're liars. That's verse 8. Truth's not in us. We, we know we've sinned. But we also know that, that, that we have a propitiation for our sins. That's 1 John chapter 2. But 1 John 1 and 7 said, but, but if he walks in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. What does that mean? Sharing. We are running with God. What do we have promised to us right there? If we are running with God, 
That we're mistake-free? No. But if we are running with God and we have fellowship with Him, the blood of Jesus does what? Cleanses us. Some people say it's not possible to run with God. Oh yes, friends, it is possible to run with God. It is possible to know what our eternal outcome will be. Am I right? John writes in 1 John chapter 5, what? Friends, this is the record. They that have the Son have the what? Have the life. You can know that. But friends, it's promised to those who are running with God. Running with God. You're going to ask me if I understand every bit of Scripture. Well, my knowledge of the Scriptures, I'm sure, is limited in comparison to most of you all. That's probably true. But I do understand the instructions and the possibilities of running with God. Enough that old boy from Waynesboro can simply do the best he can do to serve God the best that he can be served. To give my very best effort to use my talents to run with God. Listen, if somebody's ever tried to convince you that you personally couldn't do that, they've sold you way short. I know that should mean something to me, but I ain't even got to chapter four yet. So I guess I better get there, hadn't I? Chapter one, Jonah's running from God. Chapter 2, he's running to God. Chapter 3, running with God. Now I'm Jonah in chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 starts off, Jonah's excited. He's walking along the side and he's going, everybody in Nineveh repented. God is an amazing God. A bunch of wicked people have been spared because God used me to speak to them. I am so grateful. I love those people down in Nineveh. No, he's kicking the can thinking, I knew it. He tells God. He cries out, God, I knew what you'd do. I knew you were merciful. Sent me down there, I preached, a bunch of low lives, a bunch of Alabama fans. No, just kidding. <laughs> bunch of low lives. Look at them. They all repented. You took them all back. Look at you. You took them all back. i tell you what I wish. I just wish I was dead. I just wish I hadn't had any part in it. Now you find Jonah running ahead of God. You ever do that? Can you think of any biblical examples where people ran ahead of God? Abraham. Father Abraham. Father of the faithful. In all, in, in Abraham's seed, not as in the seeds of many Galatians chapter 3, but in the seeds of one Christ Jesus, all nations would be blessed. Abraham's just not the father of fleshly Israel. Abraham's the father of spiritual Israel. Abraham is the father of the faithful. Abraham, get up and leave Chaldees. Get up and leave her. Get out of here. Abraham picks up and goes. Doesn't even have a place to dwell. Hebrews 11 said he dwelt in tents. He just went around. He knew there was a promise. He was looking for a city, he said, wasn't made with hands. Abraham, Sarah's going to have a child. <laughs> right. So Abraham and Sarah get together and they're going to get a little ahead of God. Sarah says, Abraham, you know this isn't going to happen. 
I've been barren for so long. You're old. You know this isn't going to happen. No, I was old enough that when Cade was born, I was 40 when Cade was born. I'm quite a bit older than Cassandra. I was 40 when Cade was born. And them people around town thought that's funny. They called me Father Abraham. I just, which wasn't really bad. But you know, I've been in Walmart and people looked at me and say, aren't grandkids just the greatest? I want to smack the dog out of them. I'm thinking, grandkids, nothing. Make you think. I just agree and go on and I trip them when they're going out through their, no. But Abraham and Sarah get a little ahead of God. They say what? Sarah says, take Hagar. That way we'll help God keep his promise. Look, friends, we are to worship God. We are to serve God. God is worthy and deserving of our adoration and our service. But make no mistake about it. I can't do a thing for God. Ain't no need of me getting ahead of him. Sometimes we become Christians. We say, wait a minute. I'm still tempted, God. Why am I still tempted? Sometimes we, get, we, get, we, we respond and get forgiveness of our sins. The scar of it is still where? It's still right there with it where, as it was with David. You remember what David said in the 51st Psalm? My sin is where? Ever before me. I see it all the time. I know what I lost because of what I've done. I live with it every day. And we get ahead of God. We get ahead of God. Could you believe that there'd be somebody that would look at heaven? You ever seen the description of the New Jerusalem John saw coming down? The gates of Jasper? All the walls? Somebody would go, well, you know, I, I, I probably would have made those walls pearl and made the gates Jasper. Somebody would get ahead of God. Look, friends, it's not in us to direct our own steps. Jeremiah 10, 23. Mankind has a lot of problems because technology and intelligence, we think that we know more and we can do more than God. And I know that everybody looks at me in the South and they listen to the way we talk or the way I talk. Not everybody's as country as I am. I, I realize that. But look at the way I talk. We think about that. And they say, man, you're a dummy. No, I have faith. which never lets me get ahead of God. Four places you could run. You are running today. You're running from God, running to God, running with God, or running ahead of Him. Thank you for listening.